Hello and welcome as always to the Football Weekly Podcast. Today we're going to talk about the Der Klassica which happened in Germany over the weekend. We'll also be talking about the Derby El Madrilino and how it shapes things up in the title race in La Liga as the season progresses towards its conclusion. We'll also talk about some other things which happened in Spain, especially the presidential elections in Catalonia as Juan Laporta was been elected as the new president of FC Barcelona. We'll also try to preview all the four games is this weekend in the Champions League, but we'll start in the blue half of the metropolitan city of Manchester as Manchester United prevailed against Manchester City in the Manchester derby last night in the Etihad Stadium as a penalty, an early penalty in fact from Bruno Fernandes and a second half winner from Luke Shaw secured all three points for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's men. So in the first 30 seconds of the game, as the match started, we saw Anthony Martial swarming around the edge of the penalty area of Manchester City. And, you know, there were five players surrounding him. It was Gundogan, it was uh, Diaz Stones, it was Rodri and it was Cancelo. And no one was taking chance on him because they knew that any contact and he's going down. And, you know, they actually knew that to pull a goal out of that sort of range and with so many players surrounding him, it will take something very extraordinary. And, you know, they were confident that, you know, Martial isn't going to look for uh, any sort of any, any players around him because he's, he's a, he has a knack of being a bit selfish and rightly so because he's a striker. But, you know, all, all things on the other side. But, you know, Gabriel Jesus had no business coming there and catching the calf of Anthony Martial. You know, Anthony Taylor, I think, was very brave in pointing to the spot straight away. It was... A penalty, Bruno Fernandes stepped up and took it, bang, 1-0, Manchester United uh, were in the driver's seat. They had a chance, uh, again, uh, with Luke Shaw uh, swarming around uh, with and really finding a very good pass from Marcus Rashford. It was, or I think it was uh, Bruno Fernandes, I don't really remember, but again, he caught Edison and it stayed at 1-0 until the half-time. Uh, there was again a chance for Manchester City to come le- on level terms with uh, Gabriel Jesus colliding with the post. I thought it might be a very, uh, it might be a bit serious, but yeah, you know, again, you know, it was, it was good luck for them, but you know, again, you know, a, a chance for Manchester City nonetheless. A free kick for Kevin De Bruyne, which he didn't miss by much. Uh, second half, you know, it started very, very well. Luke Shaw with that tremendous run on that left-hand side. And again, Dean Henderson, very, very good ball. Very good ball from Dean Henderson towards Luke Shaw. And he said he was set on his bike. He was, he was just rallying through. And then that beautiful one-two with Marcus Rashford and that finish. You know, it was a bit difficult for Edison because, uh, you know, it came through the legs of uh, John Stones who... Uh, you know, it, it was difficult to anticipate where Shaw was going to hit, but you know, he chose the right direction. He chose the the right corner, and again, a, a big congratulations to Luke Shaw because I think he's been one of the best players for Manchester United this season, along with Rashford, along with of course Fernandez, and the other guys. You know, Fred, Bartomeu have been good, but yeah, and Luke Shaw has been really, really impressive this season. Uh, as far as Manchester City go, they had another chance uh, where Rodri uh, just clicked the click the crossbar there was a chance with uh, uh, Raheem Sterling coming close you know didn't even materialize to that to, to, to a greater effect uh, you know for me you know, especially Jao Cancelo he had, a, he had an absolute stinker and I think it had to do with 
a bit with the way of playing for Jao Cancelo because he got caught a lot of times. You know, Anthony Martial, when he had that chance, you know, it was the ball that was lost from Jao Cancelo actually, which uh, triggered to that movement from Manchester United. By the way, what a chance that was. And, you know, Martial, you know, he really had the first game in terms of all the Manchester United players. I mean, Daniel James had a very good game. Then, uh, than Anthony Martial, but yes, you know, disrespect to him, I think he's a very good player, he's a very important cog in this Manchester United team, so, you know, it, it, it really didn't materialise for him, but, you know, I think he'll come good in the coming games, you know, they have, they have a good, they have a big game against Milan coming in the Europa League, uh, a very big, ch a very bright chance to actually get their hands on a silverware this season, uh, but, uh, you know, looking back at this game, I think City had a had had that one-off games in where they they didn't play well. I think uh, we saw it with Pep Guardiola as well as uh, the the pressure mounted on him. He got a bit frustrated. Uh, again, you know, uh, he, he had that he had some word of words with Oligan Solsha, but you know, Solsha kept a cool head. It was in that incident where I think uh, Marcus Rashford was uh, substituted and. Um, Manchester United for that brief period of time had just ten men on the uh, ten men on the field and Mason Greenwood didn't didn't actually was ready was for substitution mark substitution and Marcus Rashford had already left the field so it was that moment where you know Pep Guardiola just lost a bit of his mind and you know came on to have a bit a bit of came on to have a bit of words with uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer you know Solskjaer tried to uh, uh, give uh, tried to calm him down, but he he wasn't listening. But that's for Pep Guardiola, and I, I I really believe that City are a good team. He shouldn't be acting like this again. Uh, the pressure mounting, just the pressure just went to his mind. We've seen uh, this season have it seen such things happen this season. A lot of times we see this uh, these things happen with Jurgen Klopp. A lot of times this season. Uh, while while he's playing for Liverpool, while he's coaching Liverpool, because Liverpool having a are having a very tormented season, you know. Again, they lost to Fulham last night. So we'll not get into that, but you know, it's 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 very difficult for managers to actually cope with it. Uh, as for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he he's saying that he's in the title race. Not quite for me, but you know, it was a, it was a very very uh, good opportunity for them to actually make a statement, and they did. I think they. Are actually giving a giving a message message to the entire Premier League that you know well, we we we're here to create a broad daylight between us and the chasing pack for the top four. So you know we're not in the race for the top four. We're actually qualifying for the Champions League next season. Uh, the race between the top four is going to be contested for that spot, for the third and fourth spot actually. So you know that was with the Premier League. And again, you know, Manchester United. I think it's a very big result for them. You know, after after that terrible, terrible performance against Crystal Palace and the weekend in at the Sellers Park, I think it was completely terrible. It was not good to watch. Uh, but you know, big win, you know, three points. You you're a happy man. And 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 a stat for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is that you know he he's a guy who's gone to the Etihad Stadium thrice now and he's won there three times in a row. That's tremendous. As a manager he's won there he's won there in the Carabao Cup in that dead rubber where Manchester United had to overcome a 
a 3-0 or 3-1 deficit from the first leg at Old Trafford. He went there the Etihad and scored after courtesy of a Nemanja Matic header from the set piece. Uh, uh, last last season in the Premier League as well, they they won 2-1 something. Yeah, 2-1 after a penalty from Marcus Rashford and a goal from Anthony Martial. It was cancelled by Nicolas Otamendi. I, I I seem to recall it, uh, and the third game was yesterday. You know, very very good game, and you know I'm very happy for Manchester United as uh, they they're really looking strong to finish in the top four this season. So we now move from England to Germany as it was the Der Klassiker, the the biggest game in terms of the Bundesliga calendar. It was in the Allianz Arena, and it had only one outcome at the start of the game, and it was that Bayern Munich are going to win. Personally, I didn't want Bayern Munich to win because uh, I thought it might just set up a very, very fascinating title race in Germany as Leipzig are there and thereabouts uh, to just challenge Bayern Munich as they're just, what, two points behind Bayern Munich? Uh, a draw would have would have meant that they, were, they would have been uh, on similar points with uh, Leipzig uh, yet to host Bayern Munich at the Red Bull Arena, but you know, talking about this game, Borussia Dortmund took it by storm, and and, and how you know, again, the problem for me was that uh, Nicolas Sula playing at right back. I think this really needs to stop. It's it's getting crazy on that right hand side of the defence. I think Nicolas Sula shouldn't be playing at right back. Uh, I'm not sure Nicolas Sula be, should be playing for. Uh, for Bayern Munich as as a whole, and even for Germany. I mean, he's starting for Germany the majority of the game so you know but that's the thing to actually ponder on later but you know the first goal you know it was a fantastic was a fantastic strike from Erling Haaland I think he caught everybody by surprise you know even even Manuel Neuer took a slight uh, touch from uh, Jerome Boitang as it went inside the back of the net but you know astonishing strike actually and then the second goal you know from that right hand side again as I said you know the the big cause of problem there is that Sule is playing there and great play by Nico Schulz there but uh, to to shrug off Sane you know he's not he's not as good as a defender as you think he's not very good in the defensive duties uh, he, he shrugged off Sane late on for uh, Dogen Hazard who then cut it back for uh, for, for Erling Holland, and by the way, you know Manuel Neuer was committed towards Torgan Hazard, which gave uh, a very very empty net for uh, Erling Holland to tap in. And you know he he actually made his intentions very clear because in in the first ten to fifteen minutes he was actually indulging in a physical battle with uh, with, with David Alaba, and who who is a very very athletic person. He's one of the fittest guys in the British, in the Bayern Munich team. You know. Uh, yeah, to, to, to be fair, you know, they've got a lot of very, very good physically strong guys. You know, you see Goretzka there, you see uh, Alaba there, you see Boateng, you see Sula, you see Lewandowski, you know, very, very, very huge figures, you know, in terms of the physical physical attributes go. But, you know, 2-0, and I thought, you know, this is going to be fascinating to watch. And, you know, Thomas Munier had a very simple chance to make it 3-0 he had to just give it up to Arling Holland who, who would have completed his hat-trick instead he did something stupid the ball went out of play and Bayern was set on the counter-attack and this was the difference for me you know 
three nil looks way more dangerous and looks more flattering to a team, even if it's Bayern Munich. Three nil at a half time at our own home looks flattering. It mounts the pressure in your head and two nil. I think you still could look up to it. And and and, and the knock on effect was that the ball went out for the counter attack and you know it was it, it was Lewandowski at the end of it and again Sane in a brilliant. Uh, brilliant trickery over Nico Schulz and he actually redeemed himself for that second goal uh, Lewandowski I think he didn't have to do much he had to just stand there the ball ricocheted off his body and in for 2-1 and now the game was on again 2-1 and Bayern have the calibre to actually jump from 2-1 and win the game and that's what they did I think it's it was uh, Mahmoud Tahu who actually actually failed to have any sort of concentration on that on that particular sequence where uh, he launched into a very sloppy challenge uh, over Kingsley Coleman and he went down penalty to Bayern Munich Robert Lewandowski takes it Robert Lewandowski scores that's the story of half time where you had at 40 minutes if you would have been 3-0 up in the game it really changes the complexion you, Bayern Munich go into the change room and they say to themselves you know what we're done here. We're done here in this game. We just need to look. Just need to look at the uh, the, the next games coming. We're done here. They might just get another one. But you know, the lady luck was just signing for Borussia Dortmund until the first fifteen minutes, and then you know, a, a big, big, uh, a big, big news came out that Erling Holland was injured. He went down, and he was injured. He was taken off by Edin Terzic. Uh, I think he didn't want to come back, you know, you, you have to make way if you're not really fully fit. And I think there was a a signal for for Bayern Munich that, you know what, the, this, this striker, their focal point is gone. We might as well go there and just just strike them with, with whatever we have. And, you know, it worked, you know, 87th minute, uh, the ball went into the box. Uh, Munia tried to t tries to clear clear it with uh, just one limb and uh, in the, in the process just gives the ball away to Leon Goretzka. Leon Goretzka hits it and Leon Goretzka scores. It's it's three two and now I don't see but Bruce Dortmund coming in and to put the icing on the cake. There's a hat trick for Lewandowski. It's a good ball from Alfonso Davies. Leroy Sonny leaves it. It comes to uh, the legs of uh, Robert Lewandowski and that was an exceptional strike from. Lewandowski more 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 so that I think that was better than the one that Erling Holland scored the first one but you know tremendous strike no chance for Marvin Hitz it's 4-2 and really game set on match it was uh, a complete performance by the number nine and you know actually you know looking at the game I think that Borussia Dortmund bottled it in the end the, the Thomas Munier opportunity should have scored and again I Again, I think uh, just some immaturity on that level. Edin Terzic, he needs to grow a bit as a manager. He has the second leg of the game uh, of, of the Champions League uh, against uh, Sevilla coming up in, in Germany. So we'll have to see how that pans out. I think it's it's going to be as fascinating as the as the first one was. But, you know, Sevilla actually having uh, a lot of players back. But you know, we need to... We need to look and see what happens there. They have a very good advantage uh, as the lead three goals to two after the first leg in Spain. We'll have to see what 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 kind of team turns up to this game. 
As for the third game, it was the Derby El Madrileño against uh, which uh, which generally has Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid in it. Well, not generally, but it is the Madrid Derby. It is Real Madrid against Atletico Madrid in Spain, and you know one of the, one of the biggest games in. Uh, Spain and one of the biggest games for Atletico Madrid as well as for Real Madrid. Uh, it was at the Manda Metropolitano in the in the red and white half of Madrid, and really, it really struck for me that you know why didn't Atletico Madrid win that game? Because even as a even as a Real Madrid fan, I thought that you know Real Madrid didn't actually deserve to get anything of that game. You know, Nacho and Varane caught a lot of times off their positions. Uh, Benzema, I thought he wasn't fully fit, but he tried to give everything. He was trying to win aerial battles. He just couldn't couldn't win those. You know, because there were a lot of bodies around him. You know, Hermoso and Savage. He's a, he's a human tower uh, to actually describe. He was always man marking him. Asensio really not having a good game. Uh, and and when you take the 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 breath out of uh, uh, the likes of Cruz, Casemiro, and Modric by adding a very good what do you say a very good physical player in that in that midfield in terms of Yannick Carrasco, you you make life life difficult for Real Madrid, and that's what Atletico Madrid did. The first goal was brilliant, you know, a fantastic run from uh, Correa. But first of all, the lineups I thought were a bit more confusing as far as Atletico Madrid go. They really have a very very big positive in this game after after this game as Kieran Trippier returned to the lineup and he actually allowed uh, Diego Simeone to try and play Marcus Llorente up the up the up the field and actually have a conventional right back in his place it, it was a 4-1-4-1 formation from uh, Atletico Madrid with the Coke sitting just in front of the defense uh, they had Yannick Carrasco playing such a pivotal role in that game. You know, Tomo Lemar started along with Llorente as part of uh, the midfield duo in front of Coque. It was Angel Correa trying to uh, base the attack from the right-hand side. Uh, again, very offensive formation, somewhat how Leeds United set up. It's somewhat like that, you know. And you know, the first goal again. I come to that. You know, it was really good movement with. Uh, the likes of uh, Marcus Llorente and Correa setting up the play nicely, and then Suarez running in behind. It, it was sort of two two on one, and then you know that brilliant pass from uh, Marcus Llorente, great, brilliantly weighted ball. You know he he could have actually had a simple option if he could have passed that towards the path of uh, of path of Tomo Lemar, but he chose to give it to. Luis Suarez and you know it was a brilliant brilliant finish past Tiba Coutuan you know fantastic goal fantastic goal and you know Atletico Madrid I thought then were just going to squeeze them up was squeeze the life out of Real Madrid and just win the game and you know just just go ahead head and shoulders ahead of everyone else in La Liga but it wasn't it wasn't to happen it was a goal from Karim Benzema in the 88th minute but we will get to it somewhat later. Uh, two or three opportunities for Luis Suarez in that first, in the end of the first half. Uh, the one which uh, in which he pulled out a save from Correa. Uh, a chance for Yannick Carrasco, who he squandered, uh, 
as he squandered that one as well. Uh, a chance for Luis Suarez again after that cutback from uh, that brilliant cutback actually from João Felix. He failed. He failed to score that one, and I think it was a big, big letdown in terms of uh, what Atletico Madrid could have been at that point in time. You know, if Luis Suarez scores one of these two chances, or even Carrasco scores, I think it was game over. I think it was game over for Real Madrid. And by the way, there was a penalty shout in in the first half where the ball hit one of the Atletico Madrid defenders, and I think it was it was Felipe, and you know, it really blocked the ball coming into the path of uh, Casemiro, who would have had a clear side of goal with no intervention in middle and you know it blocked it it hit the arm I guess it might have been a penalty but I'm I'm not so sure but you know I think in the end the right decision was made I think the referee was a bit confused it was Hernandez Hernandez and uh, you know again I, I, I think I think it was the, 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 the referees went through the right procedure they went through the right protocols and in in the end it was a decision made which actually didn't make sense to a lot of Real Madrid fans but I kind of understood that why wasn't it given a penalty I think it was a it was a bit confused and should I give it or not you know again you know again a lot of confusions around him and he actually went for the decision that he saw through the naked eye and I think it was the right call in the end, not the right call in terms of what the situation demanded, but the right call in in how the protocol should be handled. If uh, if anyone could understand what I'm saying, the right protocols were were subjected, and it went rightly in order. I think that's the key part here. And again, no penalty. I've got no issues for that. And again, a big opportunity for uh, Karim Benzema with that Vinicius uh, Vinicius ball through and. You know, he was through on goal. He had to slide in, and again, the man mountain of Jan uh, Oblak appeared in front of him. wasn't going through. Still one-one, and I actually, I actually lost hopes for this game. But somewhere at the back of my mind, I thought, you know what, this isn't over because if 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 it was to be over, it I could have actually saw a a goal from from Atletico Madrid in that second half it couldn't come and eventually that brilliant 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 dribbling from Karim Benzema and you know he passed two or three players he gave it to Carrasco to Casemiro actually and you know if it was not Casemiro and someone else I think nine of the ten times he would have taken the shot himself and he would have missed because Jan Oblak was doing the right thing by coming and closing down Casemiro in front of goal he couldn't have squeezed past Yano Black and how good he is, but he actually cut that back towards Karim Benzema, who had entire goal to shoot at. He chose the right thing to do, Casemiro, and really, really thankful to him. It went towards Karim Benzema, and that's an important goal. That's an important, important goal because now the things are like you know they they have a very fair advantage over the head-to-head with Atletico Madrid. The first leg ended in a 2-0 victory for Madrid and now the second leg is a draw at the Wanda Metropolitana so it ends 3-1 on aggregate which means if Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid say are on similar points at the end of the season say they are on 80 points each at the end of the season it means that you know what 
Real Madrid could win the league. <laughs> I mean, that's something that I think should be happening, but you know, it's very unrealistic to actually think about it. But you know, you know, Atletico Madrid didn't have the uh, have joy after this result. Uh, Real Madrid won the happy team either. The happy team, in fact, was FC Barcelona, who are on. 56 points right now in La Liga played a game less played a game more actually than Atletico Madrid they are in the cup finals with uh, with Athletic Bilbao they won against Osasuna at the weekend which was on Saturday I guess and again uh, that brilliant turnaround against Sevilla and the big big news from Barcelona is that Juan Laporta has been elected as the president of Barcelona again he managed Barcelona. He was the president of Barcelona actually from 2003 to 2010. You know, a lot of good things happened in his tenure. He won uh, in his tenure. They won two Champions Leagues. That incredible sextuple was uh, included in it. Uh, the first, second of them, which uh, Frank Reich, the second Champions League with Barcelona won, was with Frank Rijkaard. The third one, which was the second of his tenure was won by Pep Guardiola. The Pep Guardiola movement actually started with him at the helm. Uh, we had the Messi debut under his uh, under his watch. And again, a lot of things. He he actually was the front runner for this presidential uh, for in, in terms of all the presidential candidates. It was uh, uh, it was Juan Laporta. It was uh, the and other guys like Victor Font and Tony Frazier. Yeah, there was there was another person in Emily Rosaud who actually withdrew his name from the election as he, he saw it as a dirty race to win the seat from Bartomeu. Uh, again, not a debatable topic, but yeah, it did happen. Uh, yeah, again, Victor Font and it was Juan Laporta who were the two favourites, outright favourites to uh, to win this uh, presidential election and it it was more so with Juan Laporta who was actually being termed as the next president for Barcelona it will be a tenure from March 2021 to March 2027 I guess yeah it would be a six-year regime for uh, the ex-Catalan president and the current one and the current one and it has been a very very good week for him because Week for Barcelona because they they won against Sevilla, which is a big result in terms of La Liga. They actually turned up the result from uh, the league. They, they overturned the deficit of two 0 against Sevilla in in the League Cup actually, and then they won against Osasuna. And now Juan Laporta is being selected as the president, which I think a lot of Barcelona guys would really really want. And I think right now. It's, it might be fair to say that Messi might be staying there because they might be going through plans which would really allow Messi to put forward his views and his his methods of how he wants to uh, he wants to actually construct the team around him. But you know, it, it's it's going to be a bit difficult now with with Laporta to actually convince him that you know. It's it's going to be a success if he stays, and they're going to win the Champions League because because that's the ultimate thing that he wants, you know, uh, and that he, he could really attain by going to clubs like Paris Saint Germain and to Manchester City under Pep Guardiola, where he also has friends along with him. Uh, again, you know, 
he he's a guy Juan Laporta who's actually been very vocal about this thing that if he wins the election he'll actually reform he will actually create a revolution in Barcelona he'll actually put the team back to the right place and that's all what that's that's every, that's that's the thing that everyone actually said uh, you know Victor Font again said that he wanted Xavi at the club but now I think it's going to be very difficult because I think uh, Juan Laporta also wanted Xavi but uh, the things that Ronald Koeman's doing right now is very 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 appreciable appreciable uh, and if if he wins the league here yeah, because they have a fair chance of doing so there's a clear clear indication that Ronald Koeman will be in the shop next season as well I don't I don't see it as a possibility yet but you know it could happen and with Victor Font and Johan Laporta, it was a common thing that they signed a vote of no confidence against the ex-president Bartomeu, which also swung a lot of uh, a lot of people in their favour who loved the club. Again, Tony Frosier is a guy who was the third candidate for this uh, election, and he was a guy who actually was with, uh, who was very close with Jose Maria Bartomeu, and people actually didn't want him to be the president. And I thought, you know. Yeah, not fair enough. And well, he actually did entice or uh, actually provoked people to actually get him to the job because he he said uh, in one of his interviews that you know he has the his party will lend him a lot of money and from that money he could sign players like El Holland and Mbappe or at least one of them and world class defender to uh, to actually rebuild the defense and I thought it was a, bu a bunch load of crap but again you know these are the things that you know is very much very very much seen in every sort of elections not just presidential elections for a football team but you know a lot of elections such as the such as the parliament elections everywhere around the world so you know good on him I think it's good it's a good news for Barcelona fans it's a good news for Lionel Messi I think Messi will stay I think uh, in the coming year we'll see Xavi being the manager of Barcelona and, and I, in, in all terms I'm very much happy for the Barcelona fans even if I'm a Real Madrid supporter so on to the Champions League which will be taking place in the midweek and we've got some big games coming up uh, well first eradicate the ones which are which I think are pretty much over and the first of them is going to be Barcelona against Paris Saint-Germain. I think Paris Saint-Germain, even with the injuries that they have right now, with Marco Verratti missing, uh, they would have uh, they would have to deal with no uh, Moze Ken, who, was, who has been so good for them this entire season. Uh, and Helti Maria and Neymar again, not going to play. Uh, Neymar just might play because he did train with the team, but you know he won't start the game for me. Mauro Icardi is in the team as well. Uh, along with Kylian Mbappe, and they might just start in the front two for for Paris Saint-Germain with Pablo Sarabia, uh, giving them an option from the bench. Uh, for Barcelona, I think it's going to be the same formation. It's going to be Mingueza. It's going to be Longley. I'll, I'll be hesitant to actually have someone like Sam Titi in that back three. You know, Pique would have been better. Sam Titi, I'm not so sure. You might as well gamble with the Ronald Araujo. Um, I, I don't know. I think he's going to stick with that back three with two wing backs and Jordi Alba and Gina Dest. Three to bomb forward whenever they want. Uh, Busquets playing in that hole behind the front, uh, behind that midfield four with Pedri and uh, 
Tion playing as two number 10s along with Messi and Dembele up front. As far as the second game goes, it's Liverpool against Leipzig, which again is going to take place on Wednesday. And again, it's a very tricky one to actually predict. Liverpool lost uh, yesterday at Anfield, the sixth game that they've lost now. Burnley, Brighton, City, Leicester, I think it was, no, Leicester, Everton, yeah. Again, I'm going, Burnley, Brighton, City, it was Everton, and I'm, I'm missing one, but yeah, you know, they've lost a bunch of games now at Anfield, you know, six in a row, so, you know, it's it's difficulties mounting for them, and I'm not so sure how they're going to get away from it. I think it's it's going to be a cracker of a game, and if Leipzig don't make silly mistakes as they did last time around, it's going to be a very fascinating game. I think I still think Liverpool might go through because they've got a cushion of two goals, but you know it's going to be damn difficult for them. You know, it's it's, it's going to be a very big ask for them. But I still think, in my in my in my hindsight, that it's going to be Liverpool to go through. Just I think they score once and they concede one again. I think it's going to be a one-all draw and Liverpool go through. It's again going to be in Budapest, so and actually no home, no away. But you know everything counts. It's something like that. Uh, the the third game is going to be between Sevilla and Borussia Dortmund. Again, a very very interesting game. Sevilla actually not coming off a very good good week with. Uh, as as they lost to uh, Barcelona in that league cup, very where they had clear clear sides of victory and to clear sides of the Copa del Rey final, and you know Lucas Ocampos missing that penalty along with those shenanigans which happened in the new camp. Again, a very 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 intriguing side. It's not over yet. I don't think so, but I think Borussia Dortmund have the edge, and they're going to carry the edge to the quarterfinals. I think they just just do it. I think they. Managed to snatch up a 2-1 victory. Erling Holland, I think, is going to be a big question mark for this game. Uh, we don't know what's uh, what's the status at this point in time. Uh, as for as for Sevilla, it's going to be a full strength squad uh, with Acuna and uh, Jesus Navas returning. Uh, they might they might play in the as a fullbacks. Car Diego Carlos, uh, Jules Kunde playing as well. They've got. You know the likes of Fernando, they've got Juan Jordan, and they've got the likes of Oliver Torres, who I think should start. They might just go with Suso, De Jong, one between De Jong or El Nasri, and Lucas Ocampos in that starting eleven with Bono in the goal. The fourth match is going to be a bit, bit, bit tough, and I think it's going to be a very, very interesting match. It's Juventus against Porto. The first game again in in the Allianz Stadium in Torino uh, on Tuesday, and I think it's going to be a fascinating one because Porto do have the advantage, but if it's a one 0 victory for Juventus, they are, they are through because of the away going through. Now for Juventus, they they've really played well in the last two games, not much in that Spezia game because uh, in the first half they were terrible, they got away with it when Bernadeschi and Morata came on in that game. Second, the, the game on the weekend against Lazio I think was a very good game but now they don't have Danilo to play there so I think this might be a fix for them as for Juventus the lineup might just be a 3-4-3 sort of thing with the back three cons uh, come, uh, back three having the likes of Leo Bonucci Alexandro to the left and 
uh, Temeral to the right of Leo Bonucci, the wing-backs in Federico Bernadeschi, who I don't really like that much. Uh, there might be, I think there has to be Juan Cuadrada at the right-hand side of that wing-back position. Uh, in that double pivot, I will go with uh, uh, Adrian Trabio and Arthur Mello. I think he's fit enough to play that game. He, he, he slots in there. Uh, then up front, it's going to be Chiesa to the right, uh, Morata to the middle, and Ronaldo to towards the left. I see this game ending in a 2 0 victory. I was very much disappointed with the Juventus uh, last time around when they played in Porto. Um, it was a very terrible game to watch, actually, if you're a Juventus fan or a UNTD. So, you know, I think they. They might just go through. I'm going for a 2-0 victory, a goal from Morata and a goal from Ronaldo in this game. You know, they put this tie to bed and they go through in the uh, quarterfinals. A, a thing that everyone's talking about with Juventus is that everyone's, everyone thinks that they're not doing well. But if you think properly, they don't have, they didn't have players until that game against Lazio the weekend. They didn't have players. Uh, uh, yeah, we also get to Porto, but you know. They didn't have players to actually play that entire game. You know, they they had so much of injuries. They had Quadrado, Arthur, Morata, Bonucci, Chiellini, Delict as well for a better part. They had Benton out. So these are a number of injuries, and when you have a manager like Pirlo is, you know, he hasn't got much experience. It's it's damn tough. And everyone's talking about is he going to be in the job? I I do think he's going to be in the job. And as far as Juventus go, I think he's doing a very good job. I think he does not really have those one or two additions that he wants to have. But, you know, I think they really might nail down it. And a lot of people say that, you know, they might just slip up in this uh, Champions League and it's all doom and gloom. I don't think so, because if they get through Porto and imagine an unlikely scenario where Bayern Munich play Manchester City, then you've got it. They've got a legitimate, legitimate chance because then one of those two is going out. And if I am Juventus, I am happy to play Bayern Munich because I saw what happened against Borussia Dortmund there. And I won't be petrified if I'm Juventus against Bayern Munich, just like Lazio were in two weeks ago. So, you know, it's just, I guess, it's just City and Liverpool, City and Bayern Munich who are head and shoulders ahead of them. Apart from them, I don't see any any signs of worries from them. and to a certain extent it's going to be Paris Saint-Germain as well who are better than Juventus at this moment uh, apart from them you know you see Borussia Dortmund you see Real Madrid you see Liverpool are terrible right now and you see Chelsea and Atletico Madrid who really don't know where they should focus right now so you know it just might be a lucky season for Juventus as a Ronaldo fan I think it should be but <laughs> no one knows as far as Porto go you know they're they're not coming from a positive positive day layoff after that first leg in Portugal. You know they they drew against Sporting in that big game in the Premier Liga where they drew two nil nil. It was in the in the Dragao, and I thought that it might just open the season up. Now they have a ten point deficit, and they're they're sitting on second. They have got Braga coming behind Braga. In that vicinity to just topple them, they're two points behind them in the in the league, and you know they they're out of the tackle de Portugal as they were beaten by Braga three goals to two. Uh, 
they, they did come off they're, they're going to come off a win uh, actually after uh, after after beating uh, Gil Vincente but you know it's going to be a big ask to be put big ask to beat Juventus because they're not going to have Mbemba they're not going to have uh, the likes of uh, Pepe around in this game because Pepe walked off injured in that game at the weekend of the Premier League so he, I think he's not going to be there he, he caught his calf and I, I think he's He's in a bit of a pain. Uh, and Bemba is ruled out until April, so he's not going to be in the conversation. So they have to actually get in the likes of Diego Letta, who's a decent goal, decent centre back. He's a Portuguese decent centre back, but you know I'm not so sure about him. Malangsa, who's on loan from Chelsea, he might start there. Mafana, he had to swap flanks or something in that game. You know the big threat for them is going to be uh, the the midfield duo of uh, Matias Rebe and. Uh, Sergio Oliveira, who I think were brilliant in the weekend as well, you know, both of them grabbing goals. Uh, Oliveira had a fantastic performance against Juventus as well, you know, controlling the midfield till the very end. Uh, Jesus Corona as well, again, he's he's again a very big, very big question mark due to an injury scare. He walked off during the half time as well, so, you know, Sergio Conceição is going to be in a bit of a mood to actually switch these things up a bit and you know he, he could actually play Luis Diaz in there uh, to, to nullify their presence and you know who says you know they, they could also play Fabio Vieira who's again a very good player in my view uh, Otavio is going to be there in and around they again uh, the, the threat that Musa Marega and Mehdi um, Taremi possess is going to be undoubtedly uh, undoubtedly vital so you know I don't know how this plays out uh, plays out but I'm, I'm rooting for a 2-0 victory for Juventus this time. And that's all from me today on this pod. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening to me. And, you know, have, may you have a great day. Thank you very much. This was your host, Mayuresh Matka.